The Detroit Tigers are 7-2 and two in the month of May. They have not lost a series yet. We're going to talk about why that is, what's been working, who's really stepped up in the month of May, and who needs to step up for this hot stretch to continue all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, May 12th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty, what is up, everybody? Hope everyone had a fantastic week. Uh You know, usually I say, I hope everyone had a great weekend. If you did, it wasn't because of this baseball team. This week, you might have had a great week because of this baseball team. And this month, you might be having a fantastic May. All because of how well the Tigers are playing. Like I said, 7-2 and this month and are 3-for-3 when it comes to series victories. So, uh, obviously off to a really hot start. I want to talk about... Because we did kind of an April recap, right? On May 1st, we had an off day. And so we did a looking back at April, what went right, what went wrong. A lot is going right currently. And so I, and again, it's a, it's a nine game sample size. No one's saying that this is, it's certainly not sustainable. Some of these numbers I'm about to read to you are certainly not sustainable, but um, there's some that are bound to come down to earth a little bit and others that are bound to get a little better. So I just want to discuss the biggest contributors and the biggest reasons as to why this team is doing so well in the month of May and what they need to do to maintain this hot stretch. Does that make sense? Cool. I hope it does. If it doesn't after the next 30 minutes, you have every right to be upset, but I'm, I'm I'm hoping that, uh, that, that this will make what I'm trying to, to portray uh, makes sense to everybody. Also, it is very much allergy season, and I am very snuffleupagus. So if the, you can tell and if it bothers you, it bothers me too, okay? I promise. Uh, um, I, I would take it away in an instant if I could, but uh, allergies will be allergies. Beautiful days, though, in the Metro Detroit area. So with this, I want to start with the offense because that has been – Probably the biggest reason, if you're looking for biggest sole contributor, it might just impossible to not be Eduardo Rodriguez. But I think the offense as a whole has been obviously a lot better in the month of May than it was in April. We talked about in the April recap episode, that's just, that's less than two weeks ago when we were talking about the Tigers being the worst offense when it comes to runs scored in all of baseball. Now, They've climbed themselves out of the gutter. They were in last place by almost 10 runs. And I know that I'm about to say, well, they're in 28th now. And that's kind of laughable to be like, oh, wow, you went from 30th to 28th. Congratulations. But they were, again, almost 10 runs removed from 29th. So, like, 
that that is a, a big step forward. And and if they keep that momentum going, obviously, and they keep climbing, that's only going to lead to good things. But we read the run totals off on yesterday's show, right? And and how they had had a, a lot of five and six run outings so far this month, and and that's a fantastic number. If that, if that's sustainable, we're in for a fun summer. It, it, it's not, but. Uh, that that's a great sign. And the reasons why there's a couple of very key contributors. We talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show as well. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson have been phenomenal so far in May. Riley Green has a 934 OPS in the month of May and, and is pulling the ball in the air, can make a grown man cry. Uh, and Spencer Torkelson has an 896 OPS in the month of May with a really good average in the month of May of uh, with runners in scoring position, which obviously, if you remember the title of, uh, of the show two days ago, has been a very infuriating point of contention for yours truly. So those two deserve a ton of credit. And that's not only key just for winning games now, but seeing them get hot is what's going to, to inject optimism into this fan base again like as a whole we've had six or seven years of very little to no optimism and so those two getting hot even if this team ends up only winning you know they, they cool down a little bit they win 72 games great if those two have really good years to get paired with that low 70s win total I don't think people will be as upset about the wins and losses because the expectations were pretty low as far as wins and losses went going into the season. So the two of them continue to be the biggest building blocks currently within the organization for the future. And the better that they do for the longer, the more optimism this fan base and this front office probably and this management staff and this team just in general is going to have now. Other players that have had really good Mays. Andy Abanez leads the team in OPS in the month of May. Uh, I think he's only gone 0 for once in that entire stretch. He's been an absolute monster. Uh, since starting off 0 for 10, ha- has just been on fire. He's an absolute fuego. Has an OPS of almost 1,100 in the month. Again, Andy Abanez is not going to have an 1,000 OPS over the course of the entire season. But in nine games in May, he's obviously been a big catalyst Javi Baez has an 1,000 OPS in May. That's great. He's been great at dating all the way back to since the 2-9 and nine start. And this team is now currently 17-19. and 19. So pretty decent sample size there of him swinging the bat well. And then Eric Haas has an OPS over 1,000 as well. We talk all the time about even though Haas is, is the second best catcher in on the major league team, I guess. I was going to say in the organization, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Right now, uh, he is the second best catcher on the team. That doesn't mean he is not one of the most valuable players in this entire lineup. I genuinely think he is. I mean, between, again, the, the versatility, the ability to play corner outfield, you can DH him if you want, whatever, and catcher when Jake Rogers can't, nobody catches 140 games anymore, right? It's kind of like a goalie in hockey, like you need two. So he can give you adequate defense behind the plate, And he's going to be one of your biggest power threats throughout the entire season. So really good to see him swinging a hot stick. Uh, And then after that, there's a decent drop-off, right? After Torkelson at an 896 OPS in the month, you get to Akil Badu with a 793 OPS. Great to see him swinging a hot stick. 
And then Zach McKinstry as a 706 OPS continues to be a, a pretty solid like league average-ish hitter, which at the top of this lineup is, is great considering how much he can run and he's a plus defender and all that as well. So that's all good. Okay, that's seven dudes with an OPS over 700, three with an OPS over 1,000. That's fantastic, right? Great month of May. Big big group of dudes that are all hitting. The issue is there's a 300-point difference between Zach McKinstry at the seventh highest OPS in the month of May and Jake Rogers with the eighth. The eighth best hitter on your team in the month is Jake Rogers with a 400 OPS. Matt Veerling, 395. Nick Maton, 394. Miguel Cabrera, 376. Zach Short, 300. And Jonathan Scope, 273. Okay. Miguel Cabrera, look, I read my own comments. I understand the frustration. He's basically an automatic out these days. I'm not denying that. He's not going anywhere, dog. Like, it's it's not going to happen. So like it is what it is. I, I don't know what else to tell you. He's going to get his farewell tour. Uh, the the organization wants him to get his farewell tour just as much as he does. It, it, it's not going to go anywhere. Now, he's only played in about half of the team's games. And so if, if he continues to really only bat like seventh or eighth in the lineup against lefties, yes, again, it's still frustrating because he's not what he was and, and certainly nowhere close to what he was. But in the same breath, it's not like we're batting him clean up 162 times still, like we have been for the last six years. So there's at least something there. But I, I understand the frustration. I just wanted to to make that very clear. I, I do understand, um, but we're, we're going to have to deal with it because it's, it's not going to change. Okay, let's get into the, the what <laughs> – that 300-point difference is a lot. And, and so let's get into those players that are sitting there at the bottom – and uh, what they can do to maybe kind of even the playing field there offensively. But first, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at So Rare. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that's transforming fans into owners. With officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams, it's unlike any other fantasy baseball platform. Managers on So Rare truly own their fantasy experience. You can collect, buy, sell, and compete with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards, win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to actually play. So it's really cool. The more you advance, the, the more you can collect and you get more powerful cards. And then you can go up against bigger competition and collect bigger rewards. It really is awesome. There, it's Revolutionary is the right word for it. There is nothing else like this out there. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. They're partnered with brand ambassadors Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez, which is cool. They've been very vocal about it. There's ads everywhere with them in it. It's super cool. Please give it a try. I promise you will be blown away by how fun it is. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's S-O-R-A-R-E, excuse me, dot com. To draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment 2, Locked On Tigers. Thank you all for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday, of course, recapping a series against the Seattle Mariners, which at the end of this show, we will preview. We're going to kind of do a, a preview and, and a di- deep dive of where the Mariners stand currently and uh, how it's certainly not winnable. We're not going to use that word because it's insane how better the season got when we started stopped calling 
games winnable. That, that really was kind of fascinating. I'm, I'm taking somewhat credit. Um, but Mariners have not gotten off to a very good start. They're actually sub 500 at the time of this recording. So uh, we will talk about that at the end of the show. For now, though, we're going to keep talking about what's been working and what hasn't been working in the month of May so far, thanks to the 7-2 and two start. So you have seven dudes at the top that are all swinging the bat pretty darn well. Six, five, that are swinging it really, really well, like 900 OPS or better. That's obviously not sustainable. As much as I would love it to be, like Andy Abanez is not having an 1,100 OPS. Eric Haas is not ending the season with an 1,000 OPS. Javi Baez is not ending the season with an 1,000 OPS. Riley Green, not ending with a 934. Torkelson, probably not ending with an 896, okay? So all of those are going to come down a little bit. Or a lot of it, depending on your position, your opinion of each player. Not important. They're going to go down. So what this team needs is the players in that bottom chunk to go up. Jake Rogers, until May, had been swinging it pretty well at an above-league average clip. Now, his numbers are a little weird because it's catcher and he's not playing every single day, so the sample size is a little different. But for a majority of the season... Up until late, he had been an above-league average hitter. And his OPS is still not bad, but his batting average is. He's got a, I think he's got a sub-200 batting average. He's got some pop. He, his hard hit rate's good. His barrel percentage is really good, like top 15% in all of baseball. He is barreling up a lot of balls. The problem is he's not doing it very consistently, and when he's not barreling it up, it's an out. So one of those weird situations where is that sustainable having like a 195 average, but with a 740 or 750 OPS, probably not over 162. It takes a special type of Adam Dunn player to do that. Um, and, and Jake Rogers has been walking and, and that's great too. I, I, I have no issues with that, but need to see uh, definitely an uptick in production from him. Gives you so much value in other areas. One of the most valuable players in war on the entire team so far this year not not the, the the team should not be banking their wins and losses all on Jake Rogers's bat. He's going to bat eight or nine most days, but something that they that we want to see. The two biggest ones in that group are objectively Nick Mayton and Matt Veerling. Veerling had a pretty solid April. It was it was pretty decent. Uh, at one point, he had an OPS just about a week ago. About a week ago, he had an OPS of of uh, just a tad over seven hundred on the season. So. He's been okay, but in May has not. His issue is hitting velocity. He's late on a lot of, like if you go up against somebody who throws gas, Veerling has a tendency to be really late on it or just like try and foul off as many fastballs as he can until he gets a non-fastball. Very rarely. I think the only, I can only recall off the top of my head, this is not like an exact data point or anything. and I don't have a very good memory, but I, I can only remember Maybe two times he's pulled a fastball all year. He had one homer, and then he had one double into the pull side gap for him as well. Outside of that, it, it's not a lot of pull success on heaters. So that's something that he needs to work on. And then Nick Maton, we've talked about it a million times. We don't need to go too much more in depth on it. This dude just needs to find the ability to hit non-fastballs. 
394 OPS, like I said, in the month of May so far. Uh, his, his batting average is like 165, 160, somewhere around there. It has not been great. Uh, I think he has four or five hits on breaking balls all year. And I genuinely, at the time of this recording, don't think he has hit a changeup yet this season. So, again, we're like approaching a month and a half into the year. This isn't like, oh, a couple of series sample size anymore. Like, we're starting to see who people are. And and Nick Maton's numbers have not been good against non-fastballs whatsoever. I still think that there's raw ability there just because of how well his he, he's able to work counts when he wants to and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if somebody can just go up there and throw five curveballs and guarantee an out against you, that, that's not sustainable major league success. So he definitely needs to – we need to raise the floor, right? Because the ceiling's going to go down. Again, those those guys are not going to have a thousand OPSs throughout the rest of the season. So we need the bottom of the, the the bottom group here to raise their numbers. Jonathan Scope, everybody asks me pretty much every single day how much longer he has on the team. I, I said it going into May. I'll say it again. I, I think the end of this month is probably the date to to pinpoint on your calendar I think May 31st if he's on this team with this offensive production on June 1st I would genuinely be surprised and I would be a little upset uh so that's kind of the date I have in my mind but I understand that he has been the definition of an automatic out for about a year now um Zach Short is Zach Short I've said that a million times we don't really need to go much more into Zach Short so those are the players that you're looking to, to if you want sustainable success we need the bottom to go up we the the top heavy bottom heavy nobody in the middle thing is not sustainable we need some more production from the guys at the bottom because the guys at the top are bound to go down at some point so that's a big thing i'm looking for is those names rogers veerling and mayton specifically to increase their production to take some of the pressure off of if javi green and torque don't get hits we're getting shut out right and again they've been great so it hasn't mattered but eventually it will. It's an 162-game marathon. Pitching. Pitching has been fantastic. A- absolutely fantastic. We have currently four different pitchers in our staff, bullpen and starters and c- combined, that is the word, goodness, that have not allowed an earned run so far in the month of May. Alex Lang, 0 ERA in May. Eduardo Rodriguez, with two starts under his belt, has a 0 ERA in May. Jason Shreve with a zero ERA and Will Vest has not allowed a run so far all season since getting recalled. Uh, And then Michael Lorenzen only has allowed what one? He has a one, two, nine ERA, one or two. I I think one Uh, Jason Foley, two, four, five Jose Cisnero, a three ERA this month. This is all this month, by the way. Um, And then Fiedo, three, eight, six Holton, four, one, five. And and then you start getting higher and higher after Matthew Boyd with a four and a half. I don't just want to read off ERAs to you. The bullpen has been really, really, really solid since the two and nine start. And that's, we've said this a lot. I don't want a broken record this, but that has been in large part due to the fact that Jason Foley and Alex Lang have objectively been two of the best relievers in the entire game of baseball so far this season. Alex Lang at getting swings and misses, Jason Foley being an automatic ground out, ground ball, I should say. So, The key for sustained bullpen success is who else is going to step up. You don't need 
to be seven good relievers deep like this team was last year for no reason, <laughs> right? Last year's team bullpen was phenomenal. You had the four-headed monster plus Foley and Lang that weren't even a part of that. They were a they they were legitimately one of the best bullpens in the entire sport. They got rid of all of the four-headed monster. Lang and Foley are great. If you can just get to of your eight relievers, three or four of them being solid, that's a completely different ball game than one or two. Right? Just percentage-wise. You're going from two out of eight to even three out of eight. Even just having somebody that, okay, Lang and, and Foley have both pitched each of the last two or three games because we've played in a lot of one-run games. Who are we going to right now and having confidence? Will Vest has absolutely stepped up and deserves a ton of credit because I didn't give him any when he first got called up. And I, I have very happily been wrong about that. He has looked phenomenal. Night and day difference, his stuff in spring training versus now. And that's great to see. So we need Will Vest to continue being what Will Vest has been. Chasen Shreve has not allowed an earned run in the month of May. Everyone remembers the Baltimore series, loves to give him a hard time for it. That's a pretty sizable chunk, right? We're almost a week and a half. Well, we're over a week and a half. We're almost two weeks, rather, into the month of May, and he still hasn't allowed an earned run yet. That's obviously a huge plus as well. Jose Cisnero, we talked about earlier this week. I kind of expect him to be a high three, low four ERA guy. So if this bullpen can find that and then continue having Tyler Holton be pretty solid, he's got a four one five in May and like a two or a sub two on the season. He's been good. You need some long inning guys. But as a whole, I'm I'm slowly starting to believe in this bullpen, which scares me because it's the Detroit Tigers, and that's always a terrible feeling to trust your bullpen. I've been hurt so many times. I have massive trust issues when it comes to Detroit Tigers bullpens. But Chris Fetter, Juan Nieves, and, and Robin Lund are just unbelievable at their jobs, and they are proved they proved that last year, and they're proving that again this year. And the pitchers obviously deserve the, the credit first and foremost. So if we can get solid third and fourth, solidified third and fourth, like where we all look at each other and go, you know what? The third best reliever on this team is blank. I think this team could actually put together a really solid bullpen throughout this season. It's not going to be the best in baseball or anything, but I think they could be a really solid middle of the pack maybe even slightly better type of bullpen. And that would be huge for the success of this team this summer. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about starting pitching, and then we'll get into the Mariners. Uh, we'll do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is clutch. It's the definition of clutch. You can forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. They have the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section for the, in the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Uh, you can get images of your seat so you know what it looks like and what to expect before you get there. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set, and it's sent straight to your phone. No digging through your purse, wallet, email, etc. So 
Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment, Locked on Tigers. So starting pitching has been a plus so far this year. Juan Rodriguez has been, I mean, there's a legitimate argument, like a top two pitcher in the entire game of baseball so far this season. Uh, he has been phenomenal. We've talked about his trade situation, what's going to happen to him long-term a lot. We're going to save that conversation for a different day. For now, we're just focusing on what this team needs to do to maintain their success so far. Erod continuing to be him would certainly help. Um, Michael Lorenzen, his last couple of starts have been really solid. I think he's gone seven innings and one run or less in each of his last two starts, one against the Mets, one against the Guardians. That being sustainable would be awesome. Obviously, I'm not expecting seven innings of one run ball every time out, but if you just give me a quality start every time you go out there, I'm going to be pretty happy with, uh, with a one-year deal type of guy. So that's really important. And the biggest thing, for me, because like Matthew Boyd, we know what Matthew Boyd is. Joey Wentz and Alex Fiedo. Those two are going to be the biggest keys for me because if you are on a winning streak, okay, let's say you win th- the Tigers win three games in a row. And then they have Alex Fido and Joey Wentz going back to back, which is literally happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You're going to look and you're going to go, okay, Obviously, you know, layman answer, we just need a good performance. Great. We need innings. We we need innings. We can't afford Joey Wentz to go four. Joey Wentz to go four and a third, right? Sub five innings. And then Alex Fiedo go out there and also only go three and two thirds or four innings on back-to-back starts. That is going to destroy this bullpen and things are going to go downhill fast. And Eduardo Rodriguez has gone like seven or eight innings several times in the last six starts. He's been amazing. He's been saving the bullpen a ton. But like outside of Erod, this team doesn't really have anyone you look at and you go, I'm confident they're going at least six. They really don't have that. Again, Lorenzen his last two has, and we're comfortable with him throwing 100 pitches, but that doesn't always equate to six or seven innings. Matt Boyd has never been like a seventh or eighth inning pitcher in his entire Tigers tenure. And he hasn't been so far this season either. And obviously they, at some point there will be, you know, outliers and they will have their starts where they go deep. Like I said, Lorenzen's been doing it, but over the course of the rest of the season, I'm not fully confident in any of those guys sustainably doing that on a consistent basis. So that's going to be a huge thing for me. Yes. Give up less runs. Obviously that's very easy analysis, but the, the bigger thing for me is innings. We, we need innings out of starters. And out, we just don't have a proven fifth starter that can provide innings right now. Spencer Turnbull certainly wasn't. He was going like three or four innings most of his outings. And Alex Fiedo hasn't really proven to be able to do that at the major league level either. So that's the biggest thing I'm looking for out of the starting pitching. We talked about the bullpen. And we talked about the offense for most of the first half of the show, Okay. Let's talk about the Seattle Mariners because that's who's up next. The pitching matchup, like I said, we have Boyd, Wentz, and Fiedo. 
I don't think that's the right order. I think it's Boyd, Fido. Regardless, those three are pitching. The Mariners have going for them. The really interesting one, I think, is Saturday. On Friday, they have Marco Gonzalez. Uh, On Saturday, this is the one that I think is super fascinating. They have Bryce Miller, who's only made a couple of starts, but they've both been really good. And then Logan Gilbert going on Sunday. Logan Gilbert, uh, one of the better young pitchers in the entire game of baseball. That's obviously going to be a test. He's going up against Joey Wentz. Saturday is Miller against Alex Fiedo. So Miller's a, that's somebody to watch. Okay. Cause I feel like he's not a household name yet. It was one of the Mariners top prospects over the last year or so. Uh, he has made two starts and gone six innings and given up one or less runs in both of those starts. So two major league starts and a very, very low ERA. And the thing is he's almost throwing exclusively his fastball. Sit on it. Just wait for it. Just, like, listen listen to these, okay? Th- again, this is 12 innings of Major League Baseball. He's obviously going to make adjustments. But I-, I think he needs to get hit hard before he makes adjustments. He needs someone to prove to him that he can't just throw 70% four-seam fastballs so far in his Major League career. 70% four-seam fastball, 19% slider. And then has thrown two changeups. So he's pretty much a, a fastball slider guy. He has a sweeper that he can do as well, where you know the fingering's a little bit different. It's a little bit more loopy, but it's pretty much fastball slider. But the fastball goes 96 and is legitimately already, again, two outings in his career, one of the spinniest fastballs in the entire game of baseball. He's in the 99th percentile in fastball spin in the game of baseball. Very impressive stuff. Like I said, a 0.75 ERA, 15 Ks in 12 innings, has a whip of 0.42. It's 12 innings, but they are some dang good 12 innings. So for an offense like the Tigers that is toward the bottom of baseball, not in May, because they're 15th actually and run scored as a team in the month of May. That's a good sign. But they were 30th in April. And last year was the worst thing I've ever seen. So, for a team that that the question mark about them is offense, to go up against a dude who has not had trouble against anyone yet is definitely going to be really interesting. Just sit fastball. Game plan for fastball. If he goes out there and throws 70% sliders, tip, tip of the cap. We'll try to score off the bullpen later. But you cannot get beat by a rookie who throws 70% straight forcing fastballs. So that's kind of what I want to see on Saturday. Logan Gilbert's just phenomenal. That's going to be a tall task. One of the, again, one of the better young pitchers in baseball. Game one, Matt Boyd, Marco Gonzalez. It's not winnable, but Marco Gonzalez's numbers on the air in six games, has a 4.7 ERA, a whip of about one and a half. Not that Matt Boyd's are too much different. But maybe start off on the right foot and get a win. The big thing with Seattle so far this season, and we'll end the show on this, is their offense has been significantly underperforming. They have gotten insane production from uh, Jared Kelnick. Forgot his name there for a second who the first year and a half of his major league career was dreadful at the plate. This year, 
had figured it out. Whatever he did, whatever adjustments he made, whatever mechanics he changed, it has worked, and he has absolutely figured it out. He has an OPS over 900 so far this season. Getting him out is going to be a tall task all weekend. Uh, Matt Boyd maybe as a lefty can maybe help that a little bit, but we'll see how that goes. But everyone else in that lineup, honestly, has been struggling. Julio Rodriguez, right before the Tigers series, finally just got moved down from the leadoff spot. He's been struggling so much. He's got like a 200 average and an OPS just a little bit over 600. He has been brutal at the plate. So that is the reason that Seattle finds themselves only one game better, half game, better than the Detroit Tigers at 18 and 19 going into this series. So you're going up against some promising pitching for sure, especially for two of the three games. That's going to be a tall task in its own right. But from the Tigers' perspective, in a three-game set in which the three starters we're putting out there are Matt Boyd, Joey Wentz, and Alex Fiedo, two of those are decent question marks on a game-to-game basis, being Wentz and Fiedo. So the bullpen better be ready. The day off, I think, helps that. And we have a day off on Monday, so we can kind of just like burn through the bullpen and not feel too bad about it. That'll help for sure. But if there was ever a series for Joey Wentz and Alex Fiedo to really, really prove like, hey, here's a couple of good starts in a row. Wentz's his last start was pretty solid. It would be against a Mariners team who has like kind of one good hitter so far this year. Okay? Cool. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every single day. We will be back on Monday, hopefully recapping a series victory. Tigers haven't lost a series yet in May. Let's keep that stretch going. At home, I will be at the game Friday night. Pink out at the park. That'll be super, super cool. Word. Okay, peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.